Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, an in-depth, interactive study of the Word of God. We're in the middle of an amazing series, Managing for the Master Until He Comes. Today, a warning to beware of covetousness, but, but we want to take you beyond the negative to the positive of how to live in a way that will reflect the beautiful character of God. So we're glad you joined us for Hope Sabbath School today. And welcome to the team. And I'm excited, as you can tell. <laughs> and one reason is this study is really practical. But another reason is because John, one of our team members, is teaching. John, we're looking forward to a great study. And we're glad the team can be together. We also have some remote team members with us today. I want to welcome Marianella. Good to see you, Marianella, as we study together. Rodney, great to have you with us today. And Sabina, great to have you as we're studying the Word of God together. We're always happy that you're with us too. Wherever you're joining from around the world, we're just so excited that you're part of our global Hope Sabbath School family. And we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at sshope at hopetv.org. Here are just a few emails we've received recently from you, our Hope Sabbath School members. Jessica writes from Canada. Anybody here from Canada? Anybody been to Canada? Well, Jessica lives way up in the north of Canada with her husband. She says, um, we live, our nearest church is three hours drive away. So we really appreciate Hope Sabbath School and have been so blessed. We feel like we know you all because you've shared your personal experiences and insights. Praying for Jesus' blessings on each one. Amen. Amen. Well, Jessica and family... Thanks for joining us from way up in the northern part of Canada. We're glad you're part of our Hope Sabbath School family. Noreen writes to us, you know we're an international family, right? A Zimbabwean living in Australia. That's a long way from home. Greetings to all. Let's give Noreen the wave. I'm Noreen from Zimbabwe, living in Perth, Australia. I was watching Hope Sabbath School today and I was really touched by one of the testimonies. We'll pray for you. Keep smiling and love you all, Noreen. Well, we've seen many times that lives are touched by testimonies, aren't they? And we're glad maybe you have a testimony to share with us. You can write to us at sshope at hopetv.org. We'd love to hear how God is touching your life. Here's a handwritten note from, oh, Jamaica. Actually, the person says, I'm a Jamaican living in Jamaica, but spending part of my summer in the United States. While visiting family in the U.S., I watched Hope Sabbath School every morning at 5 a.m. and on Friday evening with my two granddaughters. Thanks for the amazing Bible studies. Keep up the good work. Many more souls are waiting to hear the good news. God bless you all and a donation of $500 to bless the Global Evangelistic Media Ministry of Hope Sabbath School. Thank you. You know who you are, my sister from Jamaica. Thank you to each one of you for being part of this ministry. We're a donor-supported ministry, and you can be part of the miracle. Just go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess. Click on the donate button. You said, Derek, I've already done that. Praise God. You're an impact partner with us, and we are sharing the good news as we prepare for the coming of Jesus. One last note from Nancy in Zambia. Lots of Hope Sabbath School members in Zambia. By the way, we have a, a Hope Sabbath School 
member who's the president now in Zambia. I recently started following Hope Sabbath School, writes Nancy. My favorite Bible verse is Romans 5, verse 5. Anybody know what that is? You can look it up later, but it's about God's love being poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given to us. Nancy writes, May God continue using you to spread His word, especially in these troubled times, and may He continue to bless you abundantly above all you ask or think. Amen. 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 Well, Nancy, we'd like to meet you in person because I can tell you love the Lord and we're glad you're part of our Hope Sabbath School family. For this series on managing for the master, we've been offering an amazing course for you absolutely free called Steps Toward Faithful Stewardship. And actually one of our team members, Jason Miller, developed that course for us and it's such a huge blessing. I've been taking it myself. And uh, I especially like the part about uh, managing my time. But you might find something that's really helpful for you there. Just go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess, click on the free gift tab in the middle of the screen, and you can access that course absolutely free. You can even share that link with family and friends, and they can also benefit from it. But right now, we need help singing our theme song, and we've got a choir again. We can sing together. Okay. Psalm 96, sing to the Lord a new song. We invite you to sing along with us. Lord. 
Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful, inspired song. 3,000-year-old scripture song. What a message for us today. John, we're looking forward to a study. Beware of covetousness, but maybe even something better, what God wants for each one of us. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you, Derek. As we begin, let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that these words are so practical to our lives. Amen. And I ask you that you would speak to us through the presence of your Holy Spirit. Mm. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 When I was in high school, I learned a story. The title of the story was, How Much Land Does a Man Require? by Leo Tolstoy. Mm. It's the story of a farmer who wanted to get in wanted to become a part of the upper class. Mm -hmm. And so in his mind, he thought that if he had enough land, then he can become a part of this upper class. Mm -hmm. And so he was quite dissatisfied with actually anything or everything that wow. he had. He always wished for something more. Wow. Mm. And so one day a stranger came to him and uh, told him that there is a clan and that clan is selling their land for a very cheap price. Mm. And so he goes to that place and he talks to the owner and the owner tells, you've come to the right place, what I want you to do, or this is how it's going to be done. I want you to start at this place and the amount of land that you can cover in one day by walking, that can be yours for a very cheap price. Mm. And mm. so he comes the next day early in the morning and he begins very early and he starts walking. It's afternoon and then the, the sun is hot, but he keeps on going and it's late in the afternoon now and he tells I gotta hurry back and go back to the reaching point. <laughs> and so he goes hurrying back to the point where he started only to reach the point to f die in exhaustion. Oh and the servants buried him in a six foot piece of land. <laughs> and so the mm. author brings mm. out the question, mm. how much land does a man require? Mm. Mm. This spirit of greed and covetousness ended with death. Mm. And so we're going to see what the Bible teaches uh, about this particular problem that we have as human beings. And mm. I'd like to begin by asking the question, how would you define covetousness? Yes, Harold? A perversion of desire. Okay, a perversion of desire. Because, I mean, we are called, without, it's good to desire good things. I think even Paul quotes in, in the Corinthians, desire the good gift, the best gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yes. So there is a good part of the desire. Okay, perversion of desire. Misha? Um, it's also a, just a very strong desire for something that isn't mine yet, or isn't mine, or may not have been meant for me. <laughs> okay, so perversion of desire, strong desire, yes can even lead to taking something that mm. doesn't belong to you. Okay, taking something that doesn't belong to you. Mm. Jason? Uh, I would put it as idolatry because basically that covetousness will put whatever you desire perversely will be able to be put before God. And so that is, of course, idolatry. <laughs> very strong language, yeah. but very true words. Yeah, definitely, In definitely. fact, the Bible talks about it. We will come to it. Mm. This is how the Webster's Dictionary puts it. Mm -hmm. It tells uh, covetousness is marked by inordinate desire for wealth or possessions or for another's possessions. Mm. So perversion of desire, uh, desire that's, you know, you desire for something that's not yours, an inordinate desire. Mm. Mm. Now, the Bible has warnings against the spirit of covetousness, right? right? Mm -hmm. And we find that in the Ten Commandments. Exactly. Mm. Now, where do we find that in the Ten Commandments? Which commandment talks about it? 
The tenth. Yes, so Jason? The very last one, the tenth commandment. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if I can have Lilika to please read that for us in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17. We are in the tenth commandment and the Bible warns us against the spirit of covetousness. Yes. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, Exodus 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Okay. Thank you, uh, Lilika. So we see here God commands in the last portion of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet anything of your neighbors, mm -hmm. anything of your neighbors. Now, in the Apostle, Apostle Paul writes in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, pretty strong language. And if I can have uh, Travis read that for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, verses 9 and 10. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, mm -hmm. so thank you, Travis. So we find here that people with the issue of covetousness, the spirit of covetousness, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And you know, we know that Adam and Eve had to leave the Garden of Eden because of sin. Mm -hmm. And thou shalt not covet is a commandment, it's a direct command of God. When that is violated, that is sin. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, a person with covetousness mm -hmm. cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Yes, Jason. And I think it's interesting because when you look at a lot of these sins or even back in the commandments, a lot of them are external acts right, or practice. Right. Mm -hmm. But one interesting thing about covetousness is it's internal. So you may not even know, you often don't know that a person is coveting because it's very much in the heart. And mm -hmm. it, I mean, all sins obviously come from the heart, but this is one that specifically is there in the heart, which mm -hmm. it kind of makes it unique in that way. You can't always tell what someone's doing that they're even coveting because it's very internal. Exactly. Very good point, Jason. You know, uh, the Bible tells thou shalt not commit adultery. Mm -hmm. That begins mm -hmm. by coveting another person's spouse. Yes. Mm -hmm. The Bible tells thou shalt not steal. That begins by mm -hmm. coveting yeah. another man's mm -hmm. property. Right. Right. So uh, the commandment on covetousness, it directs com uh, directly to the heart, mm -hmm. directly yeah. to the heart. Now I want to go to a point that Jason made earlier and it's actually found in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. And if I can have Sabina read that to us in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. Paul is using, once again, a pretty strong language. Right. And Jason alluded to that earlier. Okay, so I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 says, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Okay, mm. thank you, Sabina. Mm. So, 
Paul writes that covetousness is idolatry. Mm -hmm. And I know, Jason, that you made that point earlier. You know, how is covetousness idolatry? Could you elaborate on that? Well, like I said before, it's like in essence that you put something before God, you know, and that's like the downsliding or the snowball effect, you know, as far as covetousness starting in the heart, then it takes the external uh, essence of it. And then, of course, by that time, you know, things have gone sideways or just out of order. And so that's how particularly uh, is focused on the idolatry part. Okay, so you desire your desire for anything besides God is covetousness. Mm -hmm. Yes, Nisha. It's also, it, it, it's also a desire for something that God hasn't given to you. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's, you're looking at it and it's a displeasure with what God has given to you. Mm -hmm. um, and so a, in wanting something else, uh, you're telling God that what He's given you uh, at this moment isn't good enough. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Powerful. Well, you know, Travis? that comment, if I may, just as Nisha pointed out, mm. that's, that's Lucifer. Right. I mean, yeah. he was the covering <coughs> cherub. He was highly exalted among the angelic host, and yet he wanted to displace God. Mm. He coveted mm. what yeah. was not rightfully his. Right. But, but Nisha's point so well taken. He could have said, I need to be so thankful for right. all that has been given to me. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, Travis? So I'm thinking about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, where it says that, uh, that, that love is really unselfishness, mm -hmm. right? Love does not seek its own, it says. Mm -hmm. So to be looking and, and de the desiring something that doesn't belong to you is actually anti-love, which is outside the government of, of which God operates. Mm -hmm. And so God doesn't accept anything that operates outside of the government of love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yes, Harold? And going back to the idolatry topic, um, because I think in the Psalms, David focuses that his desire is to be with God. Mm -hmm. So the throne of his heart is God at the seat. But when, when, when uh, covetousness comes, the thing becomes the, now the new thing sitting in the seat of our heart. Mm -hmm. right, right. So that, hence, like the idolatry problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very, very good comments. You know, uh, one preacher told a story of how a man was cleaning to, uh, you know, uh, trying to clean his house, and he saw cobwebs in the corners of his house. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he would clean one day, a week would go by, and uh, the next week he would do the same thing. And in frustration, he shouted uh, to his wife, why is this happening? Why are these cobwebs here? And the wife told her, uh, told her husband, that the problem are not the cobwebs, the problem is the spider. <laughs> you need to kill the spider to get rid of the cobwebs. Right. So the issue of covetousness, who is the spider behind this mm. web of covetousness? Mm. Mm. What does the Bible say mm. about it? Mm. Uh, let's go to Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. Isaiah 14, 12 to 14. If I can have Brittany, please read that for us. I'll be re reading from the New King James Version. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Mm. Well, thank you, Brittany. So, uh, Sabina, you have a comment about 
the origin of covetousness, the originator of covetousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we see here from this passage that the origin of covetousness is the devil himself in desiring to be and to pursue a place and authority that didn't belong to him. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to add to that, that this means that not only covetousness has to do with our desire to pursue something that belongs to other people, but we are also actually desiring that other people don't have what God has given them. <laughs> so it's not just about what we are going to have, but it's what we are desiring that others are not going to have. So it's just, just exactly removing from them something that God has already blessed them with. Okay, so covetousness not only has an influence on you, but also on your neighbor. Right. And Rodney, you have a comment on this. So John, we have found the spider. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, spider. the spider is the devil himself. Yes. And so whenever, yeah. we, whenever we have that insatiable desire for something that is not ours, or uh, as Harold mentioned, or if that desire that you use the word inordinate desire is for something that is so consuming you that takes the place of God, we realize that there is someone that is, that is influencing us. We just read it. Um, the, the devil is the one that's influencing that type of feeling within us. Um, so we need to be absolutely careful of, and nothing is wrong with being ambitious. We're not talking about ambition now. Uh, we're talking about really covetousness that gets to the, to the true heart and replaces mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. So, Lucifer, thank you, Rodney, for your comments. So, Lucifer, he coveted God's position, yeah. he coveted God's power, mm -hmm. and he coveted God's glory. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Rodney pointed out that this desire to go to any extent to get what a person wants to get, and we know from the history of Lucifer to what extent Lucifer went. And, you know, we are here in this world right, and yes. we know to what extent Lucifer has gone. Mm -hmm. And so if God would have to let a person who has covetousness once again back into heaven, mm -hmm. the same story would repeat again. Mm -hmm. And God, in order for him to have a secure universe, he has to say no to covetousness. Only this is a place only for love. Mm. Yeah. This is a place. You know, uh, I know we, we didn't read the next verse in 1 Corinthians 6, but it says, and such were some of you, mm. but you've been washed. Yeah. Mm. Right. You've been sanctified. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to say that because I, I may have been in that list that you read at some point in my life. And, and salvation comes for people who go, I was in that list. Mm -hmm. But I looked in faith to Jesus Amen. and found salvation. Amen. Amen. So, uh, because otherwise yep. there's no hope for any of us. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, Pastor Derek, covetousness is one of those things where people harbor it in their hearts and it just grows and grows. And there's a battle that rages. It can, the symptoms can be seen in other areas, mm -hmm. but no one really knows. But freedom can be found only in Christ. Amen. Amen. Freedom can be found yes. only in Christ. Now, in the Bible, we have some examples of covetousness and mm -hmm. how their story panned out. And one of the foremost examples is found in Joshua chapter 6, mm. verses 17 to 19. And if I can have charity, please read 
Joshua chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are in her in the house, because she hid the messengers that were sent, that we sent, and you by all means abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Amen. Okay, thank you, Charity. So why is, this is Joshua, he's instructing the children of Israel. You're going to march around the walls of Jericho, it's going to fall down. And these are instructions that you ought to follow after the walls come down. And why does Joshua tell, don't bring a curse upon Israel? Why does he say that? Mm. Yes, Jason? Jericho is a probably very wealthy and powerful city. The children of Israel have been wandering around in the wilderness. They haven't had a lot of, shall we say, nice supplies and everything. And now they're about to come into this new land and they would have opportunity for all this gold and silver. And we've said that covetousness is something that is internal. So it's a huge temptation for them to take what is not really theirs and utilize it for wrong purposes. Now, God does have a purpose for it. He says, let it be in the treasury of the Lord. So God can still use silver and gold, but God needs it to be used for his purposes and not just if the people just all take it for themselves. It's a huge temptation that will lead to covetousness and there may even be stealing and things. So God's giving them practical guidance so that they don't have to be tempted by these things and get themselves into a lot of trouble. I think that's what the curse is, is that desire and that, that tension that could exist by wanting all this gold and silver. Mm -hmm. Okay, Brittany? Yeah, if you see people when they receive something for free, um, sometimes they go crazy and they, they're all grabbing for it and running over each other and they're, they're not unified. So I could see that happening if God said, oh, it's a free-for-all. Whatever you can take and carry it home with you, then it's going to divide Israel. Instead of them being unified and saying, we're following God's leading, we're doing what he's calling us to do, we know our purpose, uh, mm -hmm. they're all just maybe starting to fight amongst each other and yeah. grab what they want for themselves yeah. and they're going to be scattered mm -hmm. instead of mm -hmm. unified in God. Mm. Very yeah. good comment, Brittany. Lika? Well, uh, the previous verse, verse eight, 18, um, says that uh, those things are accursed. Mm. So um, I would say that uh, that is the answer because okay. they are accursed. Okay, so God pronounces what is holy and what is accursed. You know, mm -hmm. God and what he says is the standard, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. God is the one who gives. Now, God brought the children of Israel from Egypt uh, and he gives them the Ten Commandments and he says, you know, don't worship those idols and you know, don't worship silver or gold. And God doesn't want the same thing to happen. God not delivered them to once again go back into bondage within their own hearts, right? But there was violation of God's command here. Mm -hmm. uh, who violated God's command? Joshua chapter 7 and verse 1. If I can have Mr. Rodney please read to us Joshua chapter 7 and verse 1. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. 
But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Okay, thank you, Rodney. So, you know, we saw earlier that covetousness is something that first begins in our mind. And then it's very interesting how the Bible uses the word, but the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully in regard to the uh, things under the ban. Mm -hmm. You know, at some point, our thoughts lead into Action. actions. Mm -hmm. At some point, our covetousness will lead into actions. Yes, Jason. It's interesting here, though, because it says the children of Israel, but we only really have one person referenced. So apparently the actions of one person can have such an impact mm -hmm. that it is described as affecting the whole. Mm. Okay, so one person mm. affecting the whole. It was one Eve, one Adam, <laughs> that mm -hmm. brought this world into despair. Mm -hmm. And so God is being uh, particular here. Now, when Achan... Uh, you know, they, they figured out who it was and Achan was found out that he's the one who actually uh, coveted the goods. What explanation did he give for his disobedience? Uh, Joshua chapter 7, verses 20 and 21. If I can have uh, Marinella, please read that for us. What explanation did Achan give for his disobedience? I'm reading from the New King James Version. Uh, Joshua 7, 20 and 21. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord, God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them, and there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. Okay, thank you, Marinella. So we see here how he describes, you know, it's like, this is so juicy, I've been longing for this. And he tells, here it is, I've uh, hid it under the land. Now, yes. You know, it reminded Derek. me just, I mean, he knows how much it weighs. I mean, this was, <laughs> he, he spent a lot of time thinking right, about that. Right. Yeah. It, it reminded me of David when he saw Bathsheba bathing. Mm. And it says mm -hmm. he gazed upon her. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, oh, you know, correct your eyes. He, 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 he weighed it. He counted it. He thought about how lovely it was. There we see that seduction, mm -hmm. if you will, mm -hmm. that's happening as the devil is saying, well, that would look really nice on you. Mm -hmm. And uh, that wedge of gold, that's, how, how heavy do you think that is? You see this dwelling on it rather than saying, no, that's not what God wants me to do and, and running away from that temptation. Hmm. So he was plotting in his mind. Maybe he's thinking, I could use this for such and such thing. You know, someone said that you cannot prevent birds to fly, but you can prevent them from building their nest on your head. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, temptations will come. The spirit of covetousness may come, but we can prevent the covetousness to build a nest on our head. Rodney, Marian, Ella. Yes, and uh, when I read uh, verse 21, John, 
It says, when I saw among the spores, mm-hmm. I, it's a flashback that came to my mind um, to, to the, in the Garden of Eden when the Bible says that Eve saw the fruit and she mm-hmm. desired it. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we need to be careful of actually what we, 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 we see, what we, we look at, um, how long we look at those things, etc. right? Because mm-hmm. that can bring about a desire in our hearts that is not along the lines of which the Lord wants us to go. Mm. Powerful and very, very practical lesson here. And we have a comment from Marianella. You have a comment on Aiken's confession of covetousness. Yeah, I just wanted to say, Rodney just said exactly what I wanted to say. It came through the eyes. Um, we see here that kind of looked and saw. And so many times it can happen to us too if we glare and look at something that we're not supposed to, we may um, get into that temptation of covetousness. And I can't remember where it is in scripture, but I know there's a place where it says it's best if you cut your hand off mm-hmm. or, you know, you come without an eye to enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. So it's, wow. it's like, it's best to um, stop and not view those things that can lead us to fall into those temptations. And powerful, powerful words. And it is found in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus tells, you know, it's better for your eyes to be plucked off than for you to not enter into the kingdom of heaven or your hands to be chopped off. Sabina, you have a comment on Aiken's covetousness and then I'll come to Brittany. Yes, and also I think it's uh, important to see that God all the way, he wants to bless his people. So it's not that he has his hands you know, closed and he's not willing to give them good gifts and all that. So the fact is that they are actually, or Achan was coveting something that was not going to be good for him. Mm. So on top of not having what he thought was good for him, he actually was having something that was going to curse his life, just was the case for Adam and Eve. It's the case of Achan. And it can be our case also because our good father, he wants to give us good gifts that will do as well. And it doesn't, and it's not supposed to be things that were to a blessing to others, but it's the ones that he designed for ourselves. Okay, thank you, Sabrina. Very good comment. So covetousness indicates a distrust in God, a distrust in God. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brittany. I was just looking at what it said that he actually took. Um, and two of the things that he took, they're, and actually all the things he took are not bad things. Like, it's easy for us to say, oh, I'm not going to drink alcohol. That's bad for my body, right? Uh, he took silver and gold in a garment. Um, but it's interesting, God had already told him, the silver and the gold is mine. Yeah. It's, it's going to be taken into the treasury and used for blessing the congregation or for God's purposes. So sometimes we may covet things that we think are not bad. Mm. Um, they're not mm. sinful but it's not what God wants for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Uh, so, what happened to Achan? What was the consequence of his sin? Because, you know, the Bible talks about the principle of what you sow, you reap, right? And that is true in our lives. And we find the consequence of Achan's sin in Joshua chapter 7, verses 24 to 26. If I can have Nisha read that to us. Joshua 7 verses 24 to 26, the consequence of covetousness. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, 
his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Acre. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned him with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised him over a great heap of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Acre to this day. Okay, thank you, Nisha. So somewhat my, someone might think, man, that's pretty cruel, <laughs> you know? Why is that happening? Travis? So we're looking, you know, here in the lessons, we just read those verses, we're looking at the consequences of his immediate family, mm. which is troublesome. But if you read the whole story, there's 36 soldiers had died and there was a defeat. There was a defeat um, by the children of uh, the children of Israel were defeated in a battle that was really small. And actually, God's reputation was hampered, which means people around the nations around as they saw God lead the children of Israel were looking, thinking, what is God doing for this people? And when that happened, the name of God was lessened, his influence was lessened in the community. I mean, in the surrounding nations. Okay, so God's character mm -hmm. was also being affected by that yesterday. Mm -hmm. I know we, we've got to move to the New Testament, but, but I just want to reinforce a person says, well, this is my life, I can do what I want. Mm -hmm. But it's going to affect your family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's going to affect those people in your circle of influence. Mm -hmm. yep. and, and that's still true today. You know, there were people that kept their children from getting on the ark. Mm. Now, I do believe that God sees the heart and he can even save people who drowned. Mm. But, but you see the power of, of, uh, of your life and your influence mm -hmm. can, it's either for good or it's for evil. Mm. Mm. Right. Wow. Mm. Your influence on others. You know, someone might say that he can confess that he had all his, the goods that he stole in his tent. So why couldn't God spare? You know, there you can find the difference between true repentance and false repentance. Mm. If he confessed before they found out, that shows that he was truly repentant. Uh -huh. mm. But he only confessed after he found out. Mm. So that shows why, you know, they did what they did as God commanded, went ahead and uh, stoned them to death. Now, that's Old Testament. What examples do we find in the New Testament of covetousness mm. that you know of? <laughs> yes, Harold. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira. Okay. When actually the ministry was trying to like, w was actually growing and there were people joining, you know, the Christian group and these people said like, hey, you know, we will sell our property and get and donate it to the mission. But we, uh, we learned that actually they didn't fully commit it toward, you know, everything that they said. So they took a portion and kept it themselves rather than fulfilling the promise that they made to the disciples, or I mean to the apostles at, at that point. Okay, so they made an initial promise. Yeah. Now what motivated uh, this promise of wanting to give? We find in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37, what motivated uh, the initial promise that Ananias and Sapphira made to give what they had in possession? Uh, Marianella, if you can read uh, Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. What was the motivation behind it? I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, 
Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Hoses, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, uh, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the monetary and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, thank you, Marinella. So what was the motivation behind the initial promise that Ananias and Sapphira made? Yes, Jason. Well, the Holy Spirit is working, and as the Holy Spirit is working, uh, it's causing people to come together to help take care and even bring their property and bring their resources to further the work of the gospel. So that's the initial uh, background to what's happening here. Okay, so the spirit of unselfish service mm -hmm. that they bring all their possessions to, uh, to the work of God, the work of God. Yes, Rodney, you have a comment on uh, the spirit of the book of Acts. Yes, and just to complement um, what Jason just mentioned, the context here is that in the, this was a time of the early church uh -huh. where the apostles were, were um, issued the Great Commission essentially to go and spread the gospel to the world, and so they did. And the Holy Spirit was upon them. They preached and people were coming from all walks of life. And so it is now to help to take care of the, the flock, essentially. Uh, individuals were selling their possessions so that if I have and you don't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, I should, shouldn't have and I should have and you don't have. That doesn't work here. We're a family of God. So we would bring in our, um, our possessions, sell them and ensure that everyone was taken care of. So the motive, back to your question, the motive behind all that was happening was absolutely pure. It so happens that Ananias and Sapphira, um, it seems like they had indicated that they would sell whatever the properties that they have and bring everything to the feet of the disciples for them to distribute accordingly. Now, it seems as if the amount that they got for, for what they sold was probably more than they anticipated, so they reserved some of it for themselves rather than keeping their commitment of taking everything to the apostles. Okay, thank you, Rodney. Derek? There's nothing wrong in giving a quarter of what you sell, um, but apparently there was some deception there. I'm asking myself, what did they covet? And I think they coveted the attention right. mm -hmm. that they saw. Yeah. Now, Barnabas didn't do it for the attention, mm -hmm. but I'm sure people appreciated that he sold a piece of land. Mm -hmm. They even called him son of encouragement, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. but, but Ananias and Sapphira, they're coveting that attention, but even to be willing to use some deception. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to reinforce, if, if someone said, I'd like to sell my house and give a quarter to bless this ministry, uh, I'd say, hallelujah, mm -hmm. you know. Yes. But, but the deception of lying to the Holy Spirit and saying, I'm giving everything. Mm -hmm. uh, now I'm being driven by, by wanting attention mm -hmm. rather, rather than reflecting the, the character of God, which is uh, unselfish generosity. Mm -hmm. Okay, unselfish generosity. <laughs> That's a very, very good term to describe that. Now, is there another example in the New Testament mm -hmm. of a person 
who coveted, and to what extent they went. Mm -hmm. uh, we find the story of Judas, right? Uh, let's go to John chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. If I can have charity, please read that for us. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. And we find the story or the illustration of Judas with the spirit of covetousness that he had and, and what actually happened because of his covetousness. All right, John chapter 12, verse 1 through 6. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Then, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to, and he used to take it, what he put in, in it. Okay, thank Amen. you, Charity. So we find a title that is given to Judas. He was a thief. thief. Mm -hmm. Now, did Jesus know about all these things? <laughs> but yet, was, G uh, was Judas part of the 12 disciples? Mm -hmm. Right. That shows how Jesus deals with sinners. Mm -hmm. And that shows how we are to deal with people that might struggle with covetousness. Mm -hmm. That we ought to still love them, still care for them, and still give them opportunity. And that is how God deals even with us mm -hmm. when we are struggling with sins. Yes, Jason. Mm -hmm. One thing that's fascinating to me is that Jesus has Judas be the keeper of the money box, mm -hmm. which is kind of scary because if I know someone who's a thief or struggling with finances, I wouldn't put them there. Yet somehow Jesus actually gives him the opportunity and mm -hmm. maybe sometimes I guess we allow people the opportunity and we let the Holy Spirit, you know, work and we'll see the, you know, the spirit of covetousness and what it leads to. It, it's revealed over time in the person's life. Okay, uh, Marinella, Sabina, and then we will move on. The covetousness yeah. of Judas. I, what I wanted to say was that even though he was feeling all this covetousness and Jesus knew that he was feeling this, if we read on a few verses ahead, Jesus doesn't um, just make him feel guilty about this. He, he, uh, if we read John chapter 12, verse 7 and 8, and when Jesus speaks, he says, but Jesus said, let her alone, uh, talking about Mary, she has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. He's given Judas here an opportunity to kind of look at what you're doing. Look at me. Look at, look at me. I'm not here with you always. I'm here with you right now. And he's not accusing him or um, you know, bringing up that covetous sin, but he's given him an opportunity to look at Jesus 
and not miss that opportunity. And I think if we remember this to look at Jesus when we have those feelings of covetousness, um, that will uh, liberate us mm-hmm. from uh, falling into that temptation. Amen. And I think Judas missed that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yes, Sabina. I also find here that it's very sad that on top of it all, he's using the poor as an excuse. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even recognize in his heart and openly acknowledge his intentions. And he puts that on the poor, which is, which is horrible, right? Which are the ones who are actually going to suffer the consequences of him, him stealing the properties and the goods that were to be applied towards the poor. Mm. Mm. So the poor are affected (laughs) because of Judas's covetousness. Now we know how the story of Judas ended. You know, he he ends up betraying Jesus. Now that shows what our sins do to Jesus, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. We betray Jesus, but no, Jesus is, uh, he later resurrects. But what happens to Judas? He goes and hangs himself. Mm-hmm. Now, just imagine with me, what if Judas did not hang himself? Jesus would have repeated the same words he repeated on the cross. Father, forgive them mm-hmm. or forgive Judas for he doesn't know what he is doing. Mm-hmm. In fact, Jesus could have restored Judas if he truly repented right. like yeah. Peter did. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sometimes when we sin, we are drowning and we become very self-discouraged sometimes even thinking to take our life. Mm. But maybe there is someone watching and you know how many times you have fallen. Maybe it's not covetousness. Maybe it's another sin. And you're thinking, man, I'm going to end my life. But the good news is if you don't end your life and go to Christ, He will give you eternal life. If Judas would have only not suicided himself. Now, now we've identified the problem. We've identified a lot of... uh, things of how it affects our relationships and affects our own spirituality. But we want to talk about how to find freedom from covetousness. And that is truly what we want to get to because Jesus truly wants to give us freedom, right? Now, what is the antidote for covetousness? What is the solution to the spirit of covetousness that we might have? What does Paul say in his writings? Yes, Brittany. He says it's contentment. Mm-hmm. Okay, Being it's thankful contentment. for what God has given to us. Okay, and, thankful. And recognizing that everything we have, it really comes from Him. It doesn't come from us. Yes, contentment. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think um, just flashing into my mind, really the antidote mm-hmm. is fixing our eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus gave everything. Mm-hmm. He had everything. He was entitled to everything, mm-hmm. but He was willing to lay it all down to save us. And I love what uh, the scriptures say, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Mm -hmm. I I really believe uh, we see in Jesus that that generosity Mm. of the heart of God that will be the antidote to to selfish desire. Mm -hmm. Okay, by beholding the love of God, Mm. we see in contrast our unselfishness but he is so loving that he wants to transform us just like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nisha. Um, I'm also thinking that Jesus is everything. If you have Jesus, what need have you of anything else? Yeah. And I think until we understand the value of Christ, 
um, we are always going to want something else. But when we are truly fulfilled in Him, we are going to be content, whether we have little or a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a parable of uh, the pearl of great price. Mm. For that one pearl, he sold it all, all right. because he saw that with that pearl, he has everything right. with it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that pearl is truly Christ, and when we have Christ, we have everything. Amen. Yes, Travis. I just want to build on what Derek said, because each of the three stories, I mean, we talked about Eve looking at the, looking at the tree, the fruit, and then we saw Achan doing the same thing, and here's, here's Judas looking at the money, wishing, <laughs> and each one of them, as they cherished that covetousness in their heart, led to something really, really great. And so it's a natural law that by beholding we come, become changed. So if we look at the most selfless individual Amen. that ever walked the face of the earth, and that would be Jesus, Amen. if we behold him, we will become like him. Amen. And that's Amen. really, I think that Derek hit it on the head, that's, that's it. Amen. That's the antidote. His name is Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm. And you know, to make that practical, when author writes, a thoughtful hour each day mm. about the life of Christ. Mm. And you don't have to stop there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Christ wants us to simply look at him and he will do the rest of the process. Amen. Amen. We have a Sabina and then we'll go to Rodney on how God wants to deliver us from the spirit of covetousness or selfishness. And you know, by beholding Jesus, not only we are going to be content with everything he has already given to us and realize that we are so blessed and that he's willing to give us more and more, but we also will become more generous with others. Mm -hmm. And we actually want to rejoice with their, with their joy, to be happy with the things that they have and actually want to mm -hmm. even bless them further. Mm -hmm. Instead of just seeking for our own contentment, we'll be happy that others will have even more than us. Amen. You know, just by describing that, you can see the face of Sabina, <laughs> <laughs> how joyful she yeah. is. Uh, you know, what only, what only if we followed, uh, how joyful we would be. Rodney, what do you have to talk about this? In brevity, uh, I, I truly agree with fixing our eyes on Jesus and how we can do that on a daily basis is just bathe ourselves in prayer and study of the Word, um, the word of God. The word says that uh, your word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against mm. you. So we, we just need to just con constantly on a regular basis, day by day, just petition the throne of grace for his mercy to, to just overshadow us as we go through life's journey. To think like a Judas who was eating and sleeping and everything with Jesus and still did what he did, even more so with us today that we should go to the feet of Jesus constantly. Okay, Lilika, one last comment on this. I would like to share a verse that really settled the matter with me <laughs> in my life about money, <laughs> which is Hebrew, Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse 5. It says, I will uh, read it, New King James go Version. Ahead. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, mm. I will never leave you hmm. nor forsake you. Amen. 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 So we find how Christ gives us a true contentment. Mm. And when we have Christ, we have it all, even the victory <laughs> 
or covetousness. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, John. What a great study. Amen. I pray that you've been blessed today as uh, we fixed our eyes on Jesus. He is the antidote. He is the revelation of the immeasurable, unfailing, unselfish love of God. Would you like to pray with me that we can be filled with his unselfish love by the Holy Spirit and can be free from any of the traps of covetousness all around us? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this encouraging study. We're in a world where there are traps to covet all around us. But may we fix our eyes on Jesus and, re and reflect his unfailing, immeasurable love to those around us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for Hope Sabbath School. You say, Derek, that's going to change everything. And I would say, praise the name of the Lord. Let your light so shine before men that they would give glory to your Father in heaven. Go out now and be a blessing to those around you. 